Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 16th of June 2019. I'd like to start off by reminding people to donate occasionally to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and I've mentioned it before, you can buy the books and discs on the site and all the sites listed on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com are mine, therefore uh, you'll know they're, they're authentic sites. You should take notes of them all, too, in case anything happens to any particular one of them, or even the com site. And then hopefully you can still get my talks on on some of the other sites, which I have. Remember, too, if you're buying books and discs or donating, uh, they have to be from my sites. Uh, everything else out there who, who does it and, and pretends that it's me, and, but with a different address, is obviously someone else that's getting the money. And I say this because it's happened quite a few times before where characters have even reprinted the books and so on. You may say that things that happen if you're occasionally hitting the nail on the head and perhaps even frequently hitting the nail on the head, uh, you'll definitely get a lot of problems happening to you. And I've had this for years since I started, actually. So, uh, as I say, for those who can remember I'm still around and who listen to my talks, remember, I can't live on just air. And I need the help too from from people to donate for the for the talks to get. Uh, you'd be surprised how many people across the planet use this stuff and all of the big talks, and and some of them even in the U.S. too, which whom you know of course because they part them off, my topics off, and often don't even change the the, the writings that I put out there or the way that I word things, and they just repeat them without mentioning where they get them from and they don't give you a penny unfortunately it's a darn shame but that's the system that we live in today Uh, one thing I've never looked for is this system to be fair because when you're dealing with humanity it really is not a fair thing at all remember that too you can look for instance and I've said this many many times before even when you go into the martyrs of history you even take Christianity where the people who followed Jesus uh, would, were booing him uh, once he got caught and he's up there hanging on the cross there they turned their back because they want a winner you see and a winner is someone who's going to make a utopia for them and they do nothing to get it actually they want it all for nothing that's a sad truth that will always be eternal and you find that over and over again when people are knocked under who've been causing a bit of a problem to different kind of um, authority figures you might see across the world, they're not they're knocked down more so today because they get more and more bold on and simply silencing people, and we all know it. It's rather obvious, and we get little threats, or your internet's not working much at all, or everything starts slowing down, or your telephone calls are all clicking and getting cut off each time you talk to someone. You know darn well you're being harassed, of course, and that's basic simple harassment, and that's how you hope it stays at that. You know, although who knows? Who knows where it's really going to go? Remember, too, that a lot of the biggies out there that used to be seen as leading proponents for human rights and your rights, too, in your own countries really are, are obviously simply political uh, punters today, getting well, well paid, obviously, to push and promote politics as usual. And even the wars, too, as you've all noticed. So I hope you're taking good note of all of that. It's awfully important that you do, if you value your sanity, because if if you don't if you don't know who's who's who today, I do feel sorry for you. It's, rather, it's very very evident, isn't it? 
and it's the same with the U.S. too. I, I have said before that the people in, this, in the U.S. had didn't have real politicians to vote for in the last election. They really didn't have much of a choice in any party, and it wouldn't really. And I keep saying this: it wouldn't really matter who he got in if it was Trump or Hillary, because Hillary would take her orders from the same bosses of the planet and would have to go along with it. These are big agendas that, are, that were worked out long ago, all the wars, step by step, all the way back to the published lists of, of the neocons in the 90s, of course. And they haven't changed the list. I keep mentioning the list, and, and um, some generals, too, I've mentioned before, uh, are, are pretty good at verifying it because they also talked about the list. And we're still living through it, so they never go back on, on what they plan. They might take a few years to slow down here and re reformulate um, their, their strategy, but they, they eventually get round to them. And anyone who dares oppose anything today has been put in their place very, very quickly with the very system that people thought was their free system, the internet, which is a big joke. To think that, to, if you realize, I gave talks in the 90s about this. I never even had a computer then, but I gave talks on the radio. And the only reason I, I got a computer eventually, a few years later, quite a few years later actually, was because I had to do it for my talks and my shows and things. And that's the only reason, because I knew, and I said, that you, get, you get 20 years out of your lucky before they rein in all the different rights and freedoms that you thought you had. And that's exactly what's, been, what's happened, of course. Julian Assange was... Uh, was the obvious martyr to, to this one, as he did expose a lot of things that were going on and upset the powers that be to an extent. And believe me, if you upset the authorities on that level, they, they don't forget you, they, they, and they won't let you go, and they will get you. you know, the hate it, it thrives at the higher echelons of power. Hate, if you want real hate... You can just see the different characters that they, they've come to hate down through time. And as always, too, uh, the message is loud and clear that anyone who has a, has a, uh, a good word to say about Assange is going to get attacked as well, very obviously. And that's why, of course, they did the rest the way they did. They publicized it to make sure everybody got the message and terrified every journalist on the planet who might say something good, except for maybe John Pilger who at least has the, the gumption to, and a few other people around about him to come out and say, um, give some support for Assange. But for the rest of the population across the world who were quite happy to, to use his information to their own advantage, of course, for whatever their own personal aims and ambitions were, he had total silence, which is standard again, because you didn't, Assange didn't bring them the utopia they, they all wanted. Just a standard thing, isn't it? And that doesn't change. But the message is loud and clear, loud and clear. Their authorities, especially with warfare in mind, are not going to tolerate any little nuisances at all. I'm sure you're all aware that on Trump's recent visit to London, he took some of his top members of government with him. I knew there was more to it going to come out of it. Obviously, it wasn't just going for dinner with the Queen. It was much more than that. And, I, and sure enough, it's to do with this are we all on board for the war against Iran idea, obviously, before the supposed, or so we're told, attacks on ships in the Gulf over there that happened supposedly a couple of days ago. Uh, they already planned the strategy, obviously, and they were getting, made sure that everybody was on board with it. And uh, that seems to be what they always, always do. Getting back to Assange, though, 
I'm sure they discussed that too, because it says in a newspaper article that a request by the US to extradite Julian Assange has been signed by the Home Secretary Sajid Javid ahead of the court hearing on Friday. So basically, he has to go before a court, and then it's all rubber stamped, of course. Then they'll take him off to the US, no doubt. Even though he's not a, a US citizen, that doesn't make any difference, does it? And if I remember to all the, for those who can remember, most folk can't remember much today from even a few years ago, because the year hit so fast and furiously with with this excess data, often irrelevant data, and often it is very, very true that there, there are people outside, out there who are meant to take you off into different areas which are just ridiculous. They're meant to just have you burn up your energies and waste your time. Because if you remember the extraordinary rendition that was going on, where the U.S. was just grabbing people and taking them off to other countries and torturing them, and of course lots of them got killed too and murdered, uh, that's okay. That's okay in our modern uh, lawful society, because we're told that everything's above board, and so as long as it's signed into law, you can do all these things, you see, and that's okay. That's the society we live in. I keep saying that nothing has changed. I think Einstein said it too, that nothing has changed when they dropped the bombs, basically, except man's way of thinking. We're still in the Stone Age, basically. Power rules absolutely, and those who have power are generally pretty ruthless characters at the top of all countries, and these are advisors as well in all countries. They're picked because they're psychopathic, and they work their way up because they are psychopathic too. Psychopaths love power. Psychopaths, as I've said before, will serve a, a, a top dictator, or even if he's elected, I don't care what they want to call it. It's all the same to me. And they'll serve them very well, and they'll actually almost worship the, the top person, the person above them, and they'll despise those beneath them. That's the arrogance of the psychopath. That's why they're perfect for the kind of pyramids uh, level from top to bottom of authority. So they, they love the power themselves. They love to get power. And they worship those who have more power than themselves and despise those with less. Quite simple. Every country's got them. And getting back to Assange, of course, they want to just grab him back to the States or somewhere else. They might shove him some other country. It's, it's astonishing, again, the disclosures a few years after the, some of the, the renditions, as they called it before, just where they were putting these people. It's just astonishing all over the planet. And every country was in the act and grabbing folks and whisking them off to be tortured. And, and often that was the last you heard of them because they just disappeared, and meaning they're dead. You know, Other ones, were, were, they can get back, but more, a lot of them just simply were, were killed. Because we are so progressive and humanitarian, as we keep, they keep telling us, we're, we're more human today. To be honest with you, it, it does not, nothing surprises me. And I don't get so much upset about it because, because uh, you can't get upset about a system which you understand. Nothing's unexpected. The lies that you get are expected too, even the types of lies and what they'll be are often expected. But I, I've never lived in a, in some kind of a fantasy bubble of what the world was. I can remember one show was on years ago. I was with uh, uh, Dr. Stanley Monteith, and he, he he says, "Tell me something about yourself." And I, I was I was he didn't he didn't he wasn't used to my kind of humor that I have. 
But I said to him, well, I says, I'm probably, I've often thought of myself as being a bit autistic. And, and he's a really nice guy. And he said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And I says, no, no, no. I says, meaning I was kind of joking about it. But what I was saying was, I said, I tend to see the world as it really is. So that's how I say I must be a kind of autistic because most folk don't see the world as it really is. They tend to believe the system that's indoctrinated into them. Many years ago, I gave talks about about the system itself and how we're all dozed with this. This uh, this is how to see things. We're dozed with it from childhood. As soon as we're born, your parents are the first ones to indoctrinate you because they'll try to pass on their indoctrination on to you thinking it's normal. They, they, they tell you what to respect and what not to respect, what's good, what's bad, and so on. It's, it's all changed, of course, in the last 40, 50 years now, as they've turned everything upside down with a big experiment on humanity. And it, we're, always, we're always going through literally planned experiments, mass cultures, and, and for every part of the culture for each, for each century is divided up into sections. And they, they already have it planned, what type of culture they're going to give you for the next 40 years, for instance and where, you're going, where you are now and where it came from and so on. It's all planned that way. And yet the folk who live through that will never know it. They'll think that it's developed that way and that the choices that they make are, or they think are their own choices. They have no idea that you're told, here's your handful of choices that you can pick from, right down to even extreme body art, which I might even touch on today. It's all planned for you. So as I say, nothing surprises me. Other philosophers have mentioned it too, uh, through their own observations as well, uh, and their knowledge, acquired knowledge, you get too naturally, that you're living through a system, a very, a very carefully managed system. Nothing's overlooked in the system, especially today with so many levels of government agencies and so many new agencies farmed that, that are and the works farmed out from government to them and think tanks and so on galore it's just astonishing working with every facet of society and the future the present and the future we truly are like antennas and every generation is like another crop of antennas because like antennas receive signals or information or data from sources. And for those who control the sources, obviously they can decide what kind of data is going to get transmitted. And if the data ends up in a being, a human being, you might say, then obviously the human being is going to believe what they're told, if that's the only source of information that they're fed. And even if they're suspicious about it, they'll find, when they look at other areas of, of or other um, sources of information, if all verify the same thing, they'll believe it. You see, it's quite easy to do if you monopoly over all information. A very simple thing. And if you, but even so, if, you, if you've got ten different establishments, news establishment giving the same stories, then surely they can't all be wrong. But why not? Why, why can't they all be wrong? We've already done the, the talks before on and the studies on on the big corporations and consortiums, or, or call them what you want, monopolies, uh, cartels, who owned the media before, who, who have their, their histories published fr from years ago on how they were started up to be monopolies, 
and to basically standardize information to the people across their continents or their countries. And how effective it's been. It never changes, never will change. And the, 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 the beauty is that today, of course, it's even better at covering up or trying to hide through a labyrinth of front companies to get to the parent company that actually owns them. And so that's what they do with monopolies, you know. Even if you try to get to, 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 to split them up and to, from the big massive monopoly that they are, they, they'd simply hide it even better and better and better. It was so interesting watching a documentary put out there on, on uh, under Standard Oil, basically, and the oil uh, wars that happened in the early 20th century, you find that they had a monopoly on information then too, and they, and they also were in the business of buying up newspapers to standardize information. Uh, it wasn't just oil they wanted to own and standardize all, all of it. They wanted to own everything pretty well. And they believed in, in a system that would not be democratic, that what really was the right, is a right for the for big, big billionaires, the richest folk, to run the world. That's what they really believed. And they were more open about it than they are today. The only ones that they had to, to, to trick and confuse were the general public beneath them. And they're awfully good at that too with their medias. Because the old man Rockefeller himself said that competition is a sin. And it, it wasn't just being facetious. He he, uh, he meant it. And don't forget, too, that the Rockefellers were in touch with... Uh, they, they, they were really the, the, the beginnings of the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is the Council on Foreign Relations, who wanted to take over the resources of the world. They were already doing it from Britain. Uh, I hate even using the term Britain, because the British folk haven't got a clue what went on. They just paid for it all through their taxes and their wars and so on. But and supplied the troops. But the Royal Institute for International Affairs, it came from the Lord Alfred Milner Group, uh, who, they ran the British Empire. Milner's group were the top people who ran it in the top positions for the, for the empire. But they also, the, the members also ended up running the gold mines and the diamond mines across Africa and much of the resources across India too. And they did not believe that democracy was a thing which was a safe, viable system for the public either. Uh, they, they believe, but they believed that they would give uh, a, the appearance or the semblance of a democracy. They allow you to vote and make you think that you're, you're free and so on. It's awfully good. But uh, these organizations are still going on alive and they're alive and well today, but they're still going after all the resources of the world. They never ever went back on that or changed their minds on it because that's essential for them to own all of the resources in the world. And it isn't just like accumulating wealth and more wealth and more wealth so they can hold on to power and then have arranged marriages amongst their families to keep hold of that power and wealth. It was also to, to basically bring in their system, which we know today as progressivism, where science and uh, and so-called um, the humanist scientists would rule the world on their behalf. They would be the, the kind of technical class on, on the behalf of those who owned all the resources. And this has all happened. It's all happened. And all the think tanks, too, that will work for them, too, are part of the scientific groups which give the customs and and the culture to each up-and-coming group 
of, say, 10 years apart. They hit them further with what's going to be their culture and their culture and their culture right up to the present. It's very clever. It's not so difficult to understand. It really isn't. It's just difficult. If you've never heard about it before, it kind of shocks your mind. But it's quite easy to understand how it's actually done. And uh, it's not guesswork on my behalf uh, here. Uh, As I've said before, Lord Bertrand Russell wrote enough books about it. He worked with the Macy Group, awfully important to do with uh, the the technocrats and so on, which would uh, be the expertise uh, of the scientific uh, staff that would run the world, how we do it all, how to to give... uh, cultural changes step by step until within a, a 40 year span those who were hitting 20 would think it was all quite natural and normal. That's how, how, how you know precise it is. Very, very effective. And if you look back to, for instance, the world wars that really initially made no sense, especially World War One to the population, but now, of course, as I've said before, they always disclose a lot of information after 50 or 100 years that was that previously was under the Official Secrets Act in the UK, for instance, and they tell you far more about why it all started in the first place. Uh, but it was never for the reasons they told the public. Uh, the public has told that, the, 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 that was those people going to fight, they're really bad people, they're evil people, and they're monstrous people, and we have to fight them for the good, the greater good and all that, and, and that's what we do, we often fight them. All countries are given the same propaganda, but they're never told the real, real, real reasons, the true reasons for all. And of course, even change is one of the big reasons for it. We plan change. Uh, to get change going in, in a dialectic, you must have at least two opposing parties. If they're not in opposition, you won't get change. They'll be quite happy to go along in harmony. So you, you create division and get them fighting with each other, and then you plan the outcome. From, the, from whoever's going to win it, you plan the, the outcome to be change, to change the world. That's your that's your synthesis, basically. Very simple, but but very well directed and very well coordinated. World War One again, two. The propaganda was simple. At the end of the, that war, the bankers themselves attended, who helped draft up the treaty, and of course they put Germany. And there are such stiff penalties to, to pay off reparations like to all countries involved that they could never have paid it off. And then you had the Great Depression, and it didn't help at all. And of course, Germany had it even worse because they got runaway inflation. It's old, old hat, all that stuff now. But it was caused by the, the treaty after World War One, guaranteeing another world war because Germany had to fight its way out or basically die. And the top, the top writers or journalists who attended the Versailles Treaty and then the Paris Treaty agreed with that too. Uh, they'd have to, they actually published books on that. They, they said this is a big, big mistake. There's got to be a better way. But again, World War II came along, and then everybody's fighting for their way of life and, and so on, the same propaganda. But look at it today. Uh, look at it from even World War One and World War II makes no difference. The grandchildren of the, these, these soldiers and so on, literally have been taught to hate their countries and their own people. Uh, that, that, that took planning, and it didn't happen by itself. It took a lot of work and a lot of indoctrination, very clever indoctrination, 
almost uh, psycho-indoctrination. It's like psychotherapy, only it's just in, it's to give you a, a whole new way of seeing something until you hate it. Shape, because you shape it. You can shape a culture, you understand. You can shape the mindset by selected material. And with the exclusion of, of say, other parts of the story. And so it's not that hard to do at all, really. And I've often said, too, that if you were told to go off and fight for something, in a physical war, and that you're given scary, scary, terrifying stories as to why you must go and do it, don't do it, because I guarantee it's got nothing to do with what they're telling you. And if you succeed and live through it, you'll find, if you have children at all or grandchildren, they'll probably end up hating you or even want to exterminate you because of their indoctrination. It's quite easy for it to be done, actually. We're used and abused in, in the system. We truly are. And those who, who bring you near near to the ultimate goals of those who rule, and there are definitely goals, in, indeed, these people might eventually one day publish more on what they've done to bring you to the step or the stage. And by that time, of course, if they ever tell you, it's because you couldn't do anything about it anyway. Or you might even like it. It's quite easy to love servitude, like Aldous Huxley said. You come to love your servitude. It's not that heavy. It, it might be quite quite happy, actually, uh, with lots of cheap or free entertainment, things like that. That's why we're catered to so much today. That's why, too, there's, they allowed so much pornography on the Internet in the first place. We live in a system, if they want to shut you up, they, they do it very quickly. We live in a system, if they want you to stop drugs flowing, it would have happened very, very fast. And you wouldn't have um, scandals coming out like drugs for for gun scandal, like the, the Contras that came out in Regan's time with Oliver North. Drugs were essential to sell at the time for the CIA's different plans or black budgets and so on to supplement. Um, and of course, to make a lot of folk rich. Nothing happens by itself, but it generally never happens for the reason you're told. <laughs> it never does. And each thing you do, each war you fight for what's called this new order of things, or like Bush said, and Bush Jr. said the same thing, they call it the new world order. Each, each time you get closer to it, or the next level of it, you've lost more and more rights along the way. It's not for you. It's a world order. Of, of of their dreams They've dreamt for this world order for so long In the certain select organizations like the, like the clubs, like the Royal Institute for International Affairs Or the CFR And higher groups above them too Which are circles within circles As you see, they overlap on the, on the extremities Much like the, what you see when you see the Olympic flag with the circles all joined together. That's circles that join, you know, the circles of friends, uh, circles of influential friends and power, and they're all joined together. That's how it's done. Different names for different parts of them, different rings, but they all know the big plan, they all work towards it in their own select specialized areas. That's how it's done. But when you look at, at what's happened, if you live long enough to see what's happened in your own lifetime, you'll shake your head because most folk live through it without seeing it coming, you might say, uh, or adapting to it without even consciously questioning it or wondering why these things happen. And you hope, okay, before they die, maybe maybe the, the pen will drop and I'll say, my God, then it was planned this way. But that's how it happens, as I say. 
remember World War One was a big, big plan. H.G. Wells talked about it, Fabian Society, Bernard Shaw, many others uh, talked about that, that their dream would get fulfilled through this war, this war to end all wars. They came out with these slogans, you see. And of course, it never was a, a, a bigger lie than that, the war to end all wars. But the war was to get everybody to their knees, to give up sovereignty. But out of it came the League of Nations. That was the beginning of it, of a, a world government. H.G. Wells talked about it openly. He wrote about it and said, this is our hope and dream come true. Now no politicians are bureaucrats, mainly. They really run governments, regardless of politicians. The bureaucrats are more important. They're, they're, they're technicians. They know their, their area, their field of expertise, and they run it. But uh, he said that now the heads of those organizations can contact each other and work together and bypass the political system altogether. Well, when you look at all the treaties that have been signed and agreements that have been signed through United Nations, they came out of the League of Nations, and everybody automatically goes to, to sign the latest thing that they want you to do. And, so, and, and we don't get to, to vote for the United Nations. So why, why are your representatives signing on to, to these foreign things in the first place? Hmm? Most of you won't answer a question or even question that. But the fact is, uh, the, the, your politicians are fronts. They are front people. And... They know not to ask questions. That's how they get up there. People in politics clue in quickly what not to ask from any anybody higher up the totem pole. And that's how you get up the ladder. That's how they're selected. And politicians do what they're told. Their scripts are written for them. All of them. When they come in front of a television set of news time, as public relations exercises, and the, the, the evidence put up in place, and the little place where they stand, and the whole thing, and there's a speech there for them, and they part off their speech written by somebody else, and, and that's what they do. That's what they do. And they'll sign their name to anything they're told to sign their name to by their bosses, because they do have bosses. It's true enough, you know, that some of them don't know they've got bosses, or they tend to forget it. Uh, like Ronald Reagan, he, he, he got shot, not to kill him, but he got shot to remind him that he wasn't the boss at one point. That's how it goes. You, if you look across the world, like in India, occasionally you'll see someone getting blown up uh, at election time on, a, a, on some stand where they're giving a talk or something like that. That's happened. It's more, more common in those countries because they're, they're, let, they're, they're not so camouflaged as to what, how they get around things. Getting back to my point of something originally, humanity hasn't changed. The systems of government and governing, uh, you might think more complex, but they're not. You, you have the strong psychopaths at the top who are not wielding clubs, clubs anymore, you see. They use military and they use policemen to do that. And they use other agencies as well to do dirty works for them. And every country does dirty work. Every country. No exceptions. None of them are squeaky clean. They all have their dirty trick squads. All of them. And they are used. And the, the thing is that they'll always point to, across the water, as I say, or somewhere else, like, like Indian. They'll say, oh, look at what's happened over there. 
but it's just because it's more blatant over there. We don't get so many things in the West, like blowing up politicians so much today. But uh, if they get away with it, they've got more subtle ways of dealing with things. And believe you me, there's just as many people in the West being bumped off and assassinated and having accidents. We're accidented. That's what happens to us all the time in the West. Very, very sophisticated and often put down to natural causes or whatever happens to be or hit and runs or drive-by shootings and so on. That's so common. And it's only your disbelief, you see, that allows it to continue. And it does continue. A few years ago there, there were... There were top uh, biochemists just dropping dead all over the place and uh, just falling over, you know, real banisters of, of tall stairs and so just falling over them, just things like that all the time. Involved in certain projects, naturally, big, big field. The top investigators to do with Kelly in Britain that was killed just before he was going to testify, he said he'd be found too, the scientist. He says, he warned, he said, I'll be found dead in a, in a field with my arm slit, you know. And he was. This happens in the West. We've got to stop thinking we're so, so advanced, really, that they would never do that. What do you mean they? They would never do it here. They do it all the time. We've got to get that through our heads, really. You know. If you look at Assange, that, that guy was petrified. He didn't stay inside the Ecuadorian embassy because he liked the wallpaper. The man knew that they'd kill him. And if they couldn't kill him, they'd, they'd do what they do now, which is the next best thing. They might kill him, yeah. Which is to put him away for natural life. There's a big, big warning to everybody else. So he'll be, he'll be the ultimate scapegoat for everybody else, you see. He's a sacrificial lamb, you might say. That's what it is, really. And a, and a warning. And believe you me, all the reporters out there have got the warning loud and clear. And they're all complying. They're all immediately with, with this Iranian thing. Oh, my God, oh yes. And they're, 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 they're publishing the, the handouts given to them by the military and by their governments. Just poof, poof, poof. Just like the 9-11, before the dust was even, I think before the buildings actually collapsed completely, they're already yelling to tell you who, who, who to blame for it. Same thing, same technique. And they tried it a few years ago and blamed, to blame Iran for the same kind of things. And, and they found, when they showed you the photographs, and they managed to get the photographs of the ships that were hit before, not this time, but before, and you saw that the explosions definitely were from within the ships because the, the, the plate ceiling was blasted outwards. You know, you get these shards, but they blast outwards, and um, you see quite clearly. But this time, they're trying to say, of course, that Iran uh, even used torpedoes, which is ridiculous because uh, you, you, torpedoes would have hit just below the waterline, and these, these particular the things they saw were just above it. And so they're claiming it's limpet mines now, but it still doesn't wash because it's the same scenario as Syria. Syria was warned that if you used chemicals, we're going to bomb you. That was the, and that's what was used against them over and over, even though they hadn't used them. And even the British attaché to the country over in Syria said that too. It was all bogus. 
and we're getting blamed for well it's the same with Iran here too because the, Iran would have nothing nothing to gain by inviting war upon them at this moment nothing to gain and, it's, and again Iran too since uh, Japan had a cordial visit uh, to Iran at the time this happened of course and the Prime Minister of Japan was there why would Iran, who was home to do trade and even sell oil to Japan, why would Iran then go and sabotage its own work? It makes no sense, you see. You always say, who does benefit? Well, the fact is it was on the cards. And we live in a time of dirty tricks. And we always have lived in a time of dirty tricks. That's the real world, folks. It really is that bad. It truly is that bad. And you know, only if you live in Disneyland and your indoctrination has been awfully, awfully well taken by your body and your system and your brain will you ever believe anything different. I can remember years ago when the Cold War was on the go and there, had been a, there was a, a Russian defector to, to Britain living in London at the time and he was coming down an elevator and... Uh, this is what they pieced together in, in the elevator traveling down was another guy with an umbrella which is in common in London and a befurled umbrella and the, the defector the one who was a defector got out the elevator on the street walked a few feet and, and then dropped dead it, it had been put down to natural causes like a heart attack or something like that, and that'd be the end of it. Except for one person in the mortuary who had a good look, at minute look around at the body, and found a tiny, tiny, like a, almost like a mosquito bite, smaller than that even. But it, didn't, it wasn't up and raised, just, it was just a tiny little thing on the, on the back of a calf of the leg. And sure enough, they fished around and, dug a, a tiny, tiny, it was, like a, it was like a miniature BB pellet, and a BB pellet small enough, tiny little thing, and under a microscope, they showed you it in the, in the newspapers, it had little holes in it, and that's for, where this particular poison would come out of. And, and they deemed that, that the, the per, a person was in the, the elevator with them, and just touched them on the back of the leg, it'd be, it'd be gas and, uh, uh, driven, you know, like, a, like an air gun sort of thing and driven into him. He probably didn't feel much at all, of anything at all. And that was that. That was his death warrant right there. Uh, well, anyway, the, 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 they had an idea immediately who this other person might have been, because they were... Wa- London had a fantastic watcher system, they call it, where anybody from any interesting countries were followed in incredible detail 24 hours a day. So they pretty well knew who it would have been. Sure enough, when he got to the person's flat, he left behind belongings, this hitman, and they showed you a briefcase, which was a standard assassin's briefcase, with a whole bunch of vials and sprays and injections and things like that. And they said, now this is way back, way back in the year, in the caveman's days, I suppose, and, but they said that there were poisons in there which were standard across the world of espionage and assassination. Uh, which would could mimic all kinds of diseases like fast-acting cancers, fast-acting cirrhosis of the liver in a, in a teetotal, for instance, things like that. 
very quickly and under just general autopsy or post-mortem as they say in Britain, autopsy, they probably pass as the actual real thing most of the time. That was then. So you understand uh, the assassin's trade is very old. It's about as old as, as, as prostitution, I suppose. It's so, so old and way, way back in time. Way back in time. It was, it was rife during the, the Roman days too, when poisons were used to assassinate different uh, nuisances in the political realm. Nothing changes. And I say humanity really hasn't changed, except they've got more sophisticated techniques of propagandizing us on a daily basis through media. And, of course, the electronic instant communication system. We're all getting the same data across the planet at the same time from the same sources. Very powerful indeed. And I also remember, too, there was um, a group of assassins that attacked. They were after Arabs. and I don't know if the guy was Palestinian, but he was Arab. They classified him as Arab, and he was a leader. And he he was hauled off into a, just into a doorway from a street and, and squirted in the ear with a deadly poison. They pretty well knew who it was. Luckily, his his team were around him at the time. He knew exactly what it probably would have been, and they got him right to the hospital for the proper antidote. And this stuff would penetrate your, your eardrum. You'd have no symptoms otherwise, except for anybody who saw it happen. And you'd go into basically a coma, and then you'd die. And it probably put down to cerebral hemorrhage or something like that, you see. And but that, that was that was not that was a few years ago that happened. It was in newspapers, and then you find that was the same, the same thing from Shakespeare. He talked about that type of poisoning, and through the ear that had been used on his on, on Hamlet's father. I think it was. I think it was that one. So anyway, as I say, it's a fascinating study to see how horrific humanity can be. And in every generation, there are people who are quite willing and happy to to kill people. They enjoy it. And so they can do it legally for governments and, and for what they call good causes. Quite something, isn't it? And yet, I mean, and we're everybody's so fascinated by murder stories. I've never understood the fascination by, by murder stories. Maybe it's because folk really do wish they could kill certain people through their life. I don't know. But I've, I've never been interested in who done it. But I'm more interested in the real life assassinations that happen all the time. All the time. Because we, we live in a... Humans, their nature has never changed. You understand that? Never changed. And those who seek power, it never changes either. Never does. It's a pretty nasty world. And when you realize, too, the change agents of teachers in education, and that's what they're called nowadays, because they do, they're, 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 they know, each teacher knows that they're really there to change the culture through indoctrinating the children. Nothing to do with uh, teaching them to be able to support themselves and, uh, throughout life. Nothing, that's out the window today. But they come out all with, uh, politicized, don't they? They come out knowing what, what, what is right, what's wrong, and, and all the new normals, which are okay to do, and, and what they should do, and so on, what they shouldn't do. It's all taught to them through school. 
There's never been such a time of mass indoctrination and, and with perfected techniques made by psychologists and behaviorists and neuroscientists. They make up teachers' toolkits. They make sure they can bring them all to, to, from a beginning on any topic in a, in a circle to, to the perfect ending and have them all believing in the version you've just told them. That's how perfect it is today. So getting back to the, the system... The, you can see the velvet gloves coming off the iron fist today as everybody gets the message to be good, to shut up and to talk about space aliens and things which uh, are, are okay to talk about, things like that, you see that's what they want you to do now one here is Australia may be the world's most secretive democracy well it is no democracy really it's the same agenda as all the rest of us and it says, I mentioned last week about them invading uh, journalists' homes because they had reported supposedly on on some special forces in Afghanistan who who hadn't been who been I don't doing untoward things you might say they weren't just doing their job supposedly that was the rumor at the time. But it says one journalist is being investigated for reporting that several boats filled with asylum seekers recently tried to reach Australia from Sri Lanka. So reporting on things now, when you're told to shut up, is in the open now, you see. Another reporter had her home raided by authorities this week after reporting on a government plan to expand surveillance powers. There on Wednesday, the Australian Federal Police showed up at the public broadcaster, that's the main station basically, with a warrant for notes, story patch, pitches, emails, and even the diaries for entire teams of journalists and senior editors, all in connection with a 2017 article about Australian special forces being investigated over possible war crimes in Afghanistan. The aggressive approach which Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison has defended fits with a global trend. And democracies from the US to the Philippines are increasingly targeting journalists to ferret out leaks silence any critics and punish information sharing and that's awfully important if you sh- if you share this information you're going to get it coming down on you basically with president donald trump leading the verbal charge by calling journalists the enemy of the people what does he mean by the what people is he talking about in the way huh enemy of the people that's that's a term <laughs> which is used in communist countries See, slogans can be used in all, all tourneys, can't they? But M, the people, yeah, there you go. I saw an article in a paper, I thought about the where I just read that, was, was, was in Hong Kong, because mainland China wants to extradite people from Hong Kong that harbors a lot of discontents and malcontents from the, from the communist re- regime, and China wants them over to, to deal with them, obviously. And some of the signs they had up, the protesters in Hong Kong, were, were for the police who were firing all kinds of nasty things at them during demonstrations. And these the signs in English, some of them, said, don't be an enemy of the people. Hmm. So now here's, here's Trump saying uh, to journalists, you're the enemy of the people. So, but even amongst his peers, Australia stands out. This is no other developed democracy holds as tight 
to its secrets, experts say. And the raids are just the latest example of how far the country's conservative government will go to scare officials and reporters into submission. It isn't just conservative. Never fall for this left-right wing. The same agenda goes on regardless of who's who is the front person in power at the time. And he says, to be perfectly frank, this is an absolute international embarrassment, said Johan Lidberg. Associate Professor of Journalism at Monash University in Melbourne, who works with the United Nations on global press freedom. You've got a mature liberal democracy that pursues and hunts down whistleblowers and tries to kill the messenger, it says. Anyway, it's getting worse and worse, obviously. That's the, we're back into the old nasty system, eh? And you're all getting the message that the internet's not yours. But you can still, I suppose, go and see porn and all that stuff that they got you addicted to in the first place. They made you to watch for it and and, and want to have computers, you know, personal computers with privacy. Personal, it's your personal computer. Meanwhile, half the planet's spying on you through your personal computer, which you should really be given for free. Oh, I said that from the beginning. It's the biggest spy agency that Ms. Tooler is there. They, they should be giving it to you for free. Your government should do that. And then you get into the agenda I've mentioned before of depopulation. What do you think sustainability means? See, you see, it's about population control and bringing it down fast. Sustainability. I've gone through that in many articles over years from the big sources, the foundations, the think tanks that they use, the United Nations Department of Population that was set up for the UN by the Rockefellers, by the way. <laughs> They're all interconnected, one system, you see. But you're all the problem. And any excuse will do is the hit on you know, sustainability and and carbon and all that nonsense, you say. And that's why you're, you're heavily under attack and you're going to go into massive austerity. And once they bring the next big financial crash in, which is planned, of course, it's, everything's planned. With a money system, that's, when the money's backed on nothing, they, can keep, they could keep the fantasy going forever if they want to. So anyway, I'll go into this one here. So population control, right? The empty cradles matter. Look at Japan. See how they get you into this? And low fertility there has been devastating to healthy wages, kinship ties, and family life. And we could be next. Oh, my goodness. America's fertility rate has fallen to its lowest point in history. 1.73 babies per woman, according to data just released by the Centers for Disease Control. Interesting, that's surely your population control. You see, you're the disease. eh? Hmm? (laughs) You haven't got it figured out yet. The truth is starker still around much of the developed world, as noted by New Institute for Family Studies report. And the links are on this article too, for those who care to even care to look it up. Most folk don't care about studying too hard about anything. And it says in this report, across Europe and Asia especially, each year brings more countries hitting their lowest fertility rates in history. In South Korea, for instance, the average woman can now expect to have less than one child. Then, of course, they bring climate change in. It's got nothing to do with that. It's all nonsense. This worldwide birth, death might seem okay, meaning in the face of climate change. Representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I know who New York recently noted that some may even be wondering, is it okay to still have children? Well, that's a socialist idea, is to stop having children, if you haven't figured that out. They've published all that stuff years ago. And some experts have, from a, experts have a different question. Should we even care? Experts, eh? Hmm. 
Conrad Hackett, senior demographer at the Pew Research Centre, recently asked this question at a forum on family issues hosted by Brookings Institution. Why do we care if fertility is low? Then they go through the same thing. They've just, they just said, you know, people keep repeating the same stuff about three times before they get to the heart of the story, you know. It's all stretching, padded filler. Anyway, they go into the fertility rates around the world in the United States are lower than what women themselves say they want. About 40% of American women in their 40s report they would like to have more children than they currently do. This figure is markedly larger than approximately 20% of their peers who say they have more children than they would like. Such numbers are worrying because the research tells us that women who miss their fertility ideals tend to be less happy than those who make them. For every report they put out there, they always have a contradictory one too, mind you. And anyway, they, they go into the, the, the same stuff that economists have begun to argue that slow population growth makes us all poorer, yada, yada. It's the agenda, folks. You hear it everywhere you, where, where you look, you know. It's the agenda. We have less children. It's, it's not, not sustainable. And then you get another one here, what, what to do with abortion, eh? Over the past 10 years, rates have been increasing amongst older women over 35 and de- decreasing under 18. See how we're studied and studied so minutely, aren't we, eh? And this is from the figures from the Department of Health and Social Care. Doctors say their figures showed that there was an urgent need to improve access to contraception for women of all ages. So then you have rising rates in older women, right? So you go from people wanting children to, 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 to abortion and so on. But then it goes into the fact that there's maybe less abortions here and there. But the reason is, is because now you see you have, you have the abortion pill, if you get it in time, you can have it in the first couple of weeks, I think. And I think that's got a lot to do with it as well, obviously. You know, is it RU4, was it 86 or something like that? Or the number, what they call that pill, the, the, the abortion pill. Call it. Anyway, it says in total there were 2,608 abortions in women living in England and Wales in 2018. A rate of uh, 17.4 per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44. This is just below the peak of 17.9 abortions per 1,000 resident women in 2007, right? So it's, uh, there you go. The actual number is higher now because there are more women in the population. The latest figures show young women are continuing to have fewer terminations. So it were studied, they were studied, studied, studied minutely, minutely. If they think they're having too many, they'll, they'll find a way to start getting rid of more because it's not sustainable, isn't it? Having too many children, yada, yada, yada. We are the problem, you see. Humans are the problem, they say. They're telling us that. They, they gave you what they called free love back in the 60s. They'd, they'd been planning it for a long time before that. But once you got the pill out in the 60s, they really went to town with free love and and the end of marriage, and the utopia was coming, and all the rest of it. The promised land was all here, and it had flowers in their hair, and all that kind of stuff. And most of it was actually weed, which they smoked. So there you go. Everything went up in smoke back then, too, I think. And then, again, when to legalize suicide, Maine in the States becomes the eighth state to legalize assisted suicide. And again, I, I tell you, it isn't... I'm not against, you know, folk wanting to, to deal with things themselves. What I'm with is when government has a different policy to step in, because they will eventually mandate you take it all. And you understand where it's supposed to go, and it will go, and you will see this going this way. 
If you go in and study the bioethics that they're taught in our universities, especially in medicine, they're putting out specialists or professional persuaders uh, on how to teach people how to convince people to, to, to kill themselves. Because it's cheaper for the system to do it and insurance companies. I mean, you have nationalized hospital systems. It's cheaper for the state because they can use that money, well, in wars and things, you know, or in their big paychecks, pay raises. But now they've got, they've got, it's just, you have to look into bioethics if you want to, a real horror story to see how it's all worked out in dollars and cents. And, and if you get a difficult patient, here's how you deal with it. A difficult means someone who won't just go and kill themselves and won't give, they want you to give up fighting for life. Literally, I've, I've, I've read lots of their documents and this is what they say. A difficult patient is someone who's fighting to stay alive, which is a natural response, folks. But here's how you can get around it. And here's how you convince the, uh, any relatives that are hanging around waiting to make sure they, they can get their organs. They're pers- professional persuaders, teams. They look like ordinary people, you know, who are taught to be sympathetic. And they fly them and jet set them around to get to relatives during that time. So they'll sign over the organs. See, they want the organs to be fresh so you keep the body alive. They can keep the body alive for as long as they want, until they want the organs, right? But to keep the patient alive for the patient's sake, no, no, you have no say in that at all, right? They want you to just terminate you if they can't use you. <laughs> wow. Huh? But they can keep the, it's okay to keep money to keep that, that corpse alive for as long as they can when there's actually what they claim is brain death, you know. And they claim that. There's been a lot of cases that have come out of uh, what they call brain death that just shocks us all, which are published and verified. But that's a horror show in which we live right now. It's, it's a horror show. But anyway, it says, this article, Orgum was the first state to legalize such assistance in the U.S. in 1997, and it took over a decade for the next state, Washington, to follow suit. While still controversial, assisted suicide legislation is winning increasing acceptance in the U.S. And this year, at least 18 states considered such measures. Well, it should be because we've got the professional persuaders in now to persuade the patients and the hospitals to go along with it. And so it's, yeah, it's quite something there, eh? I tell you. And it is sad, but when they're taking away more and more medication, to handle pain and so on. Things work together, folks. This withdrawing of all the opiates and so on during terminal phases. Terminal phases. Huh? It's to make sure you want to die. Well, pain, you get enough pain long enough you want to die. And it's all done deliberately. For dollars and cents. There you go. Then they'll give you marijuana as a substitute, but I'm sorry, when you're not terminal, terminal, it's not going to do you any good. And it's, it's all planned that way, because you see, humanity is unsustainable. That's what they claim. You all are, uns- not, not, not the ones who decide for you, but the ones, all you, you that get the problems, you, you're unsustainable. Your problem, see? That's true socialism, scientific management of all, on behalf of the richest folk on the planet. Really? That's what it is. And then they're going to bring magic mushrooms in now, eh? Articles, eh? 
all over the place, just like marijuana. Magic mushrooms could replace antidepressants within five years, says new psychedelic research center. And when you see all your governments, those in government will open up a mushroom farm shortly too, no doubt. No doubt at all. Not, and they'll have the top shares and all, along with the police chiefs maybe. Hmm? Just like the marijuana. Yeah. I'm telling you. But you see, they do have a massive problem with, with depression now. No doubt about that too. Because people are losing... It's been, it's been kicked out of them actually Through a lot of different techniques uh, They're losing purpose What's the purpose? It's almost a dissociative type Problem that they have Where they can't relate to things Because it does, because things don't, don't relate to them You're a minute amoeba In this massive pool The sea of amoebas Until And you, you, you simply lose You lose it all It's meant to be this way It's planned this way folks and they'll help you exit the place because now you can kill yourself for depression legally. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll kill you. It's cheap that way. If they say to them, say, well, you know, this person could have married depression, and, which is bipolar now, they call it, but it's the same thing. And it might cost a fortune in their lifetime just getting out of hospitals and, and giving them psychoactive drugs and so on to deal with all stimulants and, and then they get the downers too and all that. Why not just kill them, eh? So there you go. Here we go, eh? That's already happened from that had last week, where they're doing it in different countries. They're actually offering suicide to folk, who young teenagers who've got a bout of depression. A lot of teenagers go through a bout of depression, folks. It's called, it's part of growing up. Hmm? Turn out, it's really awful what's happening, isn't it? It truly is, hmm? And then you get legalization or prostitution. They're trying to push legalized prostitution in uh, New York State. Hmm? And again, you can see it too. You know who'll, who'll end up owning the farms of prostitution? <laughs> the same ones who own the farms of marijuana and the farms of magic mushrooms. And, and then, you're, you're then until the state literally is your pimp and your drug pusher, that's where we're going with it. This is your brave new world, folks. And you've been taught that life is cheap. You're not so important after all. And and why not live your you know three score years and just die before you get a pension and leave that money for the state to use? Navasha had had some of these bioethicists come out and talk about this and actually promote it. I've noticed none of them volunteer. Have you noticed that too? Interesting. Eh? But it's quite fantastic to see what's happening this day and age. You you truly are going into all, aren't you? I want to just put in two tonight. The warfare techniques that every country's in, we all have our, our little plans on of what if strategies to do with invasions or wars with whoever. But here's one. It came out of RT, actually. This is Meddling 101. U.S. Army Research Center publishes strategy to destabilize Russia. It's quite fascinating to read it because that's exactly what they're doing, including causing mass migration into it from from countries around about them, if, if need be, and the techniques of how to do even that. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah. Huh? So U.S. Army soldiers take part in a NATO training exercise, blah, blah. And it says the U.S. could use a variety of economic, military, and ideological strategies to overextend and unbalance Russia. 
Well, that's what you do, overextend it with mass migration, medical care, they need medical care, and then the taxation galore to, to pay for more accommodation to put up even all the masses of refugees. These are destabilization techniques. If you haven't figured that out, it's all done on purpose in the West too, including the darn wars. And I was thinking about it when I was reading this article too, and even before it happened with Iran, or coming up with Iran, do you understand the mass migration you're going to have with all the other countries involved? Syria too. They, they, they won't stop just at Iran. They want Syria out the way too. They won't forget them. And you, you get millions more folk flooding into Europe and uh, they, people can't afford it. It's meant to destroy and destroy and destroy. Of course it is. A complete massive shake-up of everything that was, a destruction of everything that was, bringing in chaos. Now with the chaos, you bring in the new, the new order. That's what it's about. So I'll put this article up too. With uh, There's a PDF for it too. It shows you, this is the U.S. Army Research Center, their think tank for on strategy, all the ways to bring them down. And you can bring it all the other countries down, because obviously it's been used already, <laughs> all these techniques in other countries. Eh? It's, it's quite fascinating. Eh? <laughs> it says, geopolitically, the report offers that U.S. could consider more lethal aid to the Ukraine to fight you see, Russia, a proxy war. But acknowledges this option could lead to much wider conflict, increasing U.S. support to Syrian rebels is another option. See, U.S. support to Syrian rebels. These are the, these were the ISIS uh, rebels hmm, against Syria. Hmm. Increasing it. See, they've already been f- funding them up until now. This is, but could result in similarly unsavory outcomes, including damaging efforts to combat uh, Islamic terrorism. No kidding, eh? The U.S. could also try to reduce Russian influence in Central Asia, promote uprisings in neighboring states, and flip Transnistria, and expel Russian troops from the unrecognized, mostly Russian-speaking region that broke away from uh, Moldova after the Soviet Union collapsed in 91. However, the authors resigned themselves to the fact that much of these options, most of them would be difficult to carry out, and could prove costly to the U.S. and may not even have the desired effect. Military of the U.S. Uh, could uh, reposture its bombers with an easy striking range of key Russian strategic targets in order to raise Russian anxieties. Well, that's what they've been doing with the bases around and missiles around Russia for quite a few years. It goes on and on and on of all the techniques that can be used, but yeah, it's, it's quite amazing to to see these these things. But the PDF is quite fascinating for those who want to to read it. All countries will do this, so they always have these what-if scenarios. That's like Three Days of the Condor, it was called. That was along that lines of, uh, of what they planned with their war games and so on. Also, Google staff keep a blacklist of conservative and fringe sites. Fringe sites is, is stuff that writes, it just watches and notices what's happening. And they don't want them to... Maybe wake up people to what's happening. <laughs> That's really your fringe site, you see. They don't, they don't care about ones that are, they think they're UFOs or, or, or folk who think they're aliens. They don't care. Um, but if you just just put two and two together in an understandable way, you're a problem. Like Bretton Russell said, you would be. And they'd have to do have to eliminate you, basically. That's what Russell advocated. If you couldn't buy them over and win them over, you'd have to eliminate them, such people. 
Anyway, it says the lists uh, allows Google employees and the links here for the lists who uh, CEO Sunder Pichet told Congress in December never uh, manually intervene on any particular search result to suppress certain addresses and users' search results. And the Daily Caller claims to have seen screenshots of the list in question. Google did not address whether it staff deliberately weed out certain political content, but did say they are working to filter out inappropriate search results. So there you go, you're just blacklisted. You won't be, no one's going to hear you or whatever, eh? or see, find your size. Eh? The first list is titled Web Answers URL Blacklist, and let staff block specific web addresses from popping up in Google's featured uh, snippets when a user asks a question. Many of the pages blocked are op-ed articles, which a user could mistake for straightforward news reporting. This list appears to target opinion pieces in general, regardless of their political bent. So there you go. They even have it's like lawyers of all kinds. They even have some people blacklisted under the under the same blacklisting as they would do as it with our religion, for instance, anything to do with, with Christianity especially. And uh, they can put you down as, as almost pornographic because you, you, you're in the same category if you, if you have any, any good things to say about Christianity. No kidding, yes, it's, it's, it's all gone, isn't it? So fringe content will come as no surprise to some. The company, along with a bevy of others like Silicon Valley tech giants, has been accused of harboring a liberal bias for several years now, with new stories of favoritism surfacing regularly. To give you more and more data and more, more, more links to further studies, etc., etc., etc. But get used to it. It's just going to get worse. What can you do? You expect it. And folk will stay on the internet, like I said, because once you get you hooked on the pornography and all the, all the stuff you're hooked on, most folk will just continue using it. I, I gave that talk in the nineties about what happened. Exactly, it's happened exactly that way. You know, absolutely that way. Yeah, definitely. Now Britain's on board, like I say, with with the crew that were over with Trump to to meet the British Parliament and with royalty and so on. Obviously, it's meant to get Britain totally on board and to do with Assange, etc. But it says Jeremy Hunt of Britain warns uh, Iran of unintended but catastrophic consequences over attacks on Gulf tanks as he backs America's claim that Iran is responsible. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, Groundhog Day, you keep waking up to Groundhog. You've heard it all before, haven't you? And then suspicion doesn't begin to describe what happened. Iran's FM on tanker attacks. That's a foreign minister on tanker attacks in the Gulf of Oman. He just says suspicion doesn't begin to describe what happened. Well, there you go. And Pentagon seeks to build global consensus on Iran. Is it time to worry, it says. I'll put that up as well. This way we are, folks, with all this, isn't it? It's just, it's so boring. We've seen it all before. The same build-up, the same characters, the same lines. It's just, it's boring stuff, really. That's the times in which we live. But I'm sorry to bore you all tonight if I bored you. I didn't mean to, just that you aren't going to get any real news anymore. I've said that for quite a long time now because everyone knows what they can can't do. And most of the news you get now is totally irrelevant and nonsensical. It's, um, it fills the spaces on the newscasters, papers, or whatever they, they use today. Screens, I guess. But you aren't going to get any real news. Because everyone's scared. Everyone's afraid. 
that's when everyone should be afraid. It's when the, when the people are afraid of government. Well, you've heard it all before, eh? From myself, Alan Watchman, Ontario, Canada. Stay well and hope your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>